Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Thank you so much for being here wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about my guest today. Her name is Jenny Cockle. This is going to be an awesome episode and if you don't know who she is, Jenny has had past life memories as early as age three. Jenny had known that she had lived before as Mary Sutton, a young Irish woman who died 21 years before Jenny was born. Her constant dream memory was of Mary dying alone and desperately worried about what would happen to the eight young children she left behind. When at last Jenny's own children were born, she finally acknowledged that she needed to find out what had happened to her lost family from her previous lifetime. It's one of the most fascinating examples of past life memories which have actually been confirmed as an adult using maps she drew as a child from her past life memories. Jenny traced her memories to the exact location where she lived in her past life in Ireland. Jenny also located Mary's children and personally reunited with five of them. Jenny has recalled not only her past lives, but also future lives as far ahead as the 23rd century. Her amazingly detailed glimpses of the future are more than merely personal images. They allow her to formulate an overall view of what the future holds for all of us, including a planet much lower in population, but also safer and more pleasant than the world of today. Jenny Cockle continues to explore the nature of reality. She is a member of Mensa, the High IQ Society, and is the author of six best-selling books. This is her story and this is her passion. Jenny, I am so honoured and excited to have you on Passion Harvest. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. Well, let's just get started. I'm so excited to talk to you. We were speaking just before, we, well, we're recording, but about past life. I'm really interested to know what it feels like when you have your past life memories. What does it feel like to experience them? It's just memory. And um, they, the memories were always there. I had the first had the nightmares when I was about 18 months old. Um, about, um, a lot of them were about the past life deaths. But of course, I didn't talk about them uh, until much later when I realized that other people weren't talking about past lives and I didn't understand why, because I assumed everybody remembered because I'd always remembered quite a few of them. I assumed it was normal. I still think it probably is normal, but people (laughs) tend to forget as they grow up. So um, by the time I got to three, I started to talk to my mother and just approached the subject. It was because I didn't understand why nobody else was talking about it. It was, uh, I was kind of, um, surprised. I thought it was time that it was it was mentioned. So I had a number of past lives. Uh, very often, um, some of the less detailed ones I would get uh, mixed up with each other. I wasn't quite sure. I couldn't separate them. But Mary was very distinct. Um, I had one in Japan that was very distinct, and then I had little bits of other lives that didn't always make a great deal. Um, you're it, it, piecing the pieces together it didn't always I couldn't always work out where it was but I've managed to um, as an adult when I started researching I've managed to sort out the past life in Ireland um, I visited the place in Japan the life before that and managed to find the location well I'd always drawn the location of the house there and I also managed to find a family member who was able to accept what I was saying about the life between Mary and now. So it's, it's, it's really three past lives I've managed to, to sort out. And um, I didn't actually start off trying to sort them out for other people. That wasn't really on the, the radar. I needed to sort it out for myself because I had grown up with these memories. And the more I talked about them, the more people were kind of dismissing them or or just thinking of them as it's a belief system. Uh, I I needed to solve 
the um, you know, find the families for myself to solve the past for myself, but also to then turn around and um, it's almost look I wasn't wrong, this did happen, and so when I started to go public about it, it wasn't um, any great need for other people to uh, see what I was doing as much as just to just to put it out there I didn't even expect anybody to be interested to be perfectly honest it's just I needed to put it out there to say look I wasn't wrong these were my memories they were real uh, and let go and of course what happened was uh, quite the opposite because everybody got interested then <laughs> so I haven't been able to let go ever since it's absolutely fascinating and I think we always well I love that you didn't do it for anyone else. You did it for yourself. But we always like validation. I said before, I think you're very brave because there's many skeptics out there. How 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 did you feel about people that dismissed? I, I'm not the slightest bit interested in, in what skeptics. If that's their 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 view, why am I? I'm not here to change their mind. And I did have a problem. One particular skeptic, I won't name name, but. Um, uh, when I was a child, I used to draw maps of the village of Malahide, quite detailed maps. marked on Mary Sutton's map, life. Uh, that's it. Where uh, in Malahide the, the house was, the exact position. Um, I only ever researched that exact position. I found on an atlas where the town was. And from childhood, I named Malahide. And this very um, prominent psychic, uh, um, skeptic, ah, yes, totally different. This very prominent mm. skeptic said that I had gone all over Ireland to try and find a village that fitted. I don't know where, why he even bothered. I mean, if you're going to be sceptical about something, use logical argument. Don't make stuff up. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that was quite in the forefront. Um, it, it seemed to get uh, on, online before my ideas got online, which I thought was quite damaging. But as I said, I think everybody's allowed their own opinion as long as you use the, the facts, yes. <laughs> you don't make stuff up. Oh, I think you're wonderful and your books are remarkable, by the way. Um, for those people that are trying to explore their past lives or potentially have memories of past lives, but sometimes doubt themselves and think they're fanciful stories, is there a difference in your opinion between past lives or stories does it is there a different emotional signature to their lives there, there probably is um i am not very good at stories and imagination um i discovered um some a, a few years ago that i'm actually on the autistic spectrum and one of the things that we find difficult is making up stories uh, we can use imagination in other ways but we do often find it very very difficult to actually make up stories so I'm not sure what it's like for somebody to make up a story in their mind. Um, for me, it's just memory. It's always been just memory uh, and uh, sort of detailed memory. Um, it, the, the, the nice thing about the spectrum is you do get a really good memory. Uh, but so I, I don't know that I can really answer that, the difference. It's going to past life memory is going to be exactly the same as memory from this life. So if you remember something happening and you remember the people around you and you remember the incident, it's not going to be any different if it was when you were six or in a previous life when you were 60. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still going to be have the same feel about it. You're going to have the same uh, images. Uh, you're going to react the same way because it's just memory. I don't think it's anything more complicated than that. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I just want to touch briefly on Mary Sutton. It's such a well-known past life. Mm -hmm. There was even a movie about it. And I and you even draw, drew the hospital bed and the hospital room that you passed in. Yes. Yes, yeah, so I, I remember the position of the bed and um, I remember the view from the window. Um, so I just put down all the details I could and they took the details along to the hospital and the matron said, oh, I know which room that is and took them straight to it because it was recognisable from the description, which was, was useful. It, it was very strange going back into the room. The weirdest thing was I remember from the hospital bed, I could see one window. And the minute I walked in there, I realised there are two windows. Why are there two windows? And there was a pier that stood out between the two windows. And I moved myself into the position in the room where the bed was. And you can only see one window and appear. Couldn't see the second window. I thought, well, well, thank goodness for that, because for a moment I thought I was in the wrong room. <laughs> <laughs> 
So with Mary Sutton and, and, and she died, did you, you, you obviously felt such a draw to the, the children that you left behind in her life. Did you also feel her pain and her suffering? Um, you, one of the, you, memory is peculiar. Uh, sometimes you don't remember, that you certainly remember the suffering. The actual physical pains, you don't tend to, you block them out. If you've had children and you've been through the birth, uh, you usually don't remember the pain until you go and have another child. And, oh, oh no, oh dear. That's <laughs> an excellent point. That's so you true. Out, that's it. You forget the pain. Otherwise, you wouldn't have more than one, right? <laughs> the emotional pain does stay. So you do tend to feel that. And back to your previous question about um, people remembering past lives. Um, you imagine um, there I was, an 18 month old baby having dreams about dying um, with fever, leaving my children behind, and then um, having dreams about drowning and feeling guilty and letting my family down, and then having dreams about being run over, again, as a child, uh, and just looking down and seeing the damage just for a moment before leaving. And you imagine going through that as a tiny child, and then all the way through childhood. So although it's um, very useful that some people remember past lives from the point of view of um, trying to verify the experience, it's not always a pleasant thing to try to seek out. And I, I do have to admit, I mean, the, the being run over was the life between Mary and now. And most of my life, I would wake up at least several times a month and sometimes rather more often and the first image in my mind when I woke up was that my legs had been crushed. Um, and at times of stress, I'd wake up and my legs had been crushed. And it, it turned out that there was this, this accident in, that ended of quite a, a six-year-old child's life. Um, and when I was about six, I used to have nightmares of trucks chasing me, <laughs> coming up onto the pavement and chasing me. So... It's not all. It's not all brilliant, but it's very useful from the point of validation of the experience and trying to understand the nature of life. But uh, uh, it's it, you know if, if, if to go seeking it. It's not always going to be such a great thing. And I do know a number of people who have had um, sort of post-traumatic stress symptoms from past life memories. So uh, it's. Yeah, <laughs> and so I have to ask you, what was it like reuniting as Mary Sutton, the Irish woman that you lived in a previous yes. life? What was it like reuniting with your children? Probably a relief. Mary's I children, I should say. I'm That's sorry, Mary's my, well, my children as as Mary. Um, yeah, I think a relief probably because um, seeing them grown up and being able to hug them and see the lives they had and understand that they had had problems, but they had still got to where they had and they were okay. So I, I, I imagine, um, I think, yeah, the strongest uh, reaction I had was probably relief. And it was complicated because they're not children anymore. They, you know, when, I, when I first met them, this is uh, sort of 30 odd years ago. Um, when I first met them, they were not children anymore. They were adults. Older than you. Um, I knew how that's it. I knew how I felt, but I couldn't impose how I felt on how they felt. Um, it was all fairly new to them. It was a, a peculiar thing. I didn't want them to feel that it was a peculiar thing because I was protective of them and I was protective of how they felt. So the whole thing, I mean, I, I even approaching them in the first place uh, was agonizing. Do I, don't I, well, yes. what, how am I going to you know, is this going to actually cause them more harm than just leaving them alone? But then I realised I couldn't rest unless I saw that they were okay. And uh, in the end, I used a, if people can always turn turn you down and reject you, but you've got to give them that option. And the only way to give them that option is to approach them. So it's a bit like if somebody's been adopted, mm -hmm. you don't know what the reaction is going to be unless you take the first step and give them the chance to react. Otherwise, nothing's happened. And 
why why do you think i mean what has it taught you about life and i'd love to move on to the future in a minute but what has it taught you about life recalling all these past lives um what it's taught me is that most people forget (laughs) it astonishes me that how, how could you possibly forget all the things you've been through but it also that you're supposed to forget because how can you live now if you've still got all those memories all those things that you have to resolve how can you really immerse yourself in now uh it's it's difficult to talk about um sometimes people say well how's it how's it changed you and i thought well it hasn't changed me because i've always remembered there are other things that have had much more profound effect i'll tell you about um there was an experience i had when i was uh, about 14 i suppose i've been babysitting and I was walking back home and it was a daytime babysitting. So it's still, it was only early evening and the trees, as I was walking past, the light was flickering slightly. And I was, I was interested and I just looked around and just for a moment, I had an experience that took me decades to find out what it was. It was just so peculiar. Um, I suddenly felt that I was drifting into the trees, that I was part of the energy of the trees. And then I, it just spread out as I was everywhere and all life was connected. I was part of all life. And I suddenly relaxed because I realized that time isn't important. Life continues. Nothing that I was worrying about mattered. And then just everything went, came back again. It was as though I was out of body mm. and I was in everything and it all came back again. I sort of, and I realized I had hardly changed my step. It had happened in a fraction of a second, and yet it had felt timeless. And I didn't tell anybody about this. I thought, this is very strange. <laughs> Until I discovered, strange enough, Australia, and there's an Australian Institute um, of uh, Mystical Experiences, and they have been cataloguing people who have had experiences like that. And it's basically the same thing that Buddha was talking about as enlightenment, the joining with all life one being one with everything um and there there are slightly different types some of them last some of them are less intense and they um last a little longer the really short ones are often the 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 the, the, the most uh profound and i think after that i was less afraid of talking about the things that happened I was bothered about talking about that one for a while, but um, I, be- I started to talk more and more about premonitions I had, uh, the past life memories, and I worried less because you, you sort, of, sort of think that one person doesn't actually it, it matter that much <laughs> in, the, in the larger scheme of things. So what you say, as long as you're being honest, <laughs> um, it's why why not why not just share and say uh, but that 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 was that was an odd one no I love that thank you for sharing and, it, and it, I guess also we don't realize the amount of well we, we're talking about time there is no time but our yeah. lives are just a pinprick in the whole scheme of yes. the bigger picture yes. my other question to you and uh is I mean well I guess I don't think time is necessarily linear from beginning to end what do you think about our lives are happening consecutively all at once? No, I, I, I see time as linear because my memory is linear. When I go back and I think of different past lives, um, it's, it is linear. The same way that their single life is linear. You think back to your childhood and then I think back to um, between lives and then I think back to a, a death and then I think back to a, the previous life and then that goes on and on and on back. One of the oldest memory I, I, memories I had was as a Neolithic hunter. And I have bits of memory all the way through from there. I think what happens is life itself, the energy of life, has always been with us. I think that everything, not just everybody, everything is reincarnated, that the process is that life becomes physical and then it becomes energy. Um, there are, this, this is one of my uh, many ideas, that the universe is in two layers. And there's one layer you go to where it's just energy. And there's this layer where it's mostly physical, but the energy fits into this layer. So the two layers rubbing against each other the whole time, connected, 
and but not a not a single universe but a, a sort of double universe um so i would see life as part of the original energy that was created when the universe was created and that it is this constant cycle with everything that it, it passes from energy to physical over and over but or everything plants animals everything so for that point of view, it would have to be linear. And linear time in any case is tied to space. Time and space are the same thing. So um, if you had anything other than linear time, you'd space would have to be completely different as well. It, it, it just, the physics wouldn't work, if that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, 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 that's, that, makes that, it, I'm just thinking about it. It's a great, it's a, you know, it's a really interesting sorry, it way of harder. explaining it. <laughs> It makes it harder to explain things like premonition, where you see that something that's that's going to happen. But the only way I can work that out is um, when something happens, occasionally, if you get a um, an odd moment, something will happen. Uh, and perhaps you send the memory back so that you know about that thing happening at two points in time. I think you have free will. So that you, I don't think you, 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 you everything's preordained, um, but I think sometimes if something's already happened, then you'll see it. It may have already happened in thirty years' time, <laughs> but it, if it has already happened, <laughs> doesn't it get complicated? The, so everything but that's everything. Can, you know, sorry, please go on. <laughs> I'm just getting so excited it, it here. <laughs> it is complicated, but I do think we have free will. I mean, um, there are odd things. I, because uh, I've always had, it, it's my mother's side of the family, and lots of people have um, uh, uh, odd sort of things like that, premonitions and things that happen, uh, precognitive experiences. Um, but I'm, I'll pick one. Uh, when I was about 16, I had, it was a dream one. Often it, there, you're wide awake. They often happen, you think, oh, that's strange. And then uh, at the moment it actually happens. Oh, that's strange as well. So that there are two things connected. But um, there was... Um, a dream I told, I told my brother's friend about it. It was really quite odd because I was driving an estate car and I had two blonde haired children in the back and I was reversing into a parking space and I looked up and there was a tower with a sort of um, ruin, like it was an old castle up on a, a bit of a mount. And it was, um, it was going to be an awful time, something, it was the beginning of something very, very difficult. And um, he made some comments about it or what he thought it might be. And I forgot about it. Uh, well, I didn't entirely forget about it. But I tried to make sure that the situation didn't happen because I didn't want, there seemed to be so much worry. Anyway, some many decades later, I went out for the day with the children and I had an estate car because we had a dog, so we had a estate car. Um, and I reversed it into the parking space because I was reversing and looked up, saw the tower glanced back at my children, looked at the tower again, it's today, it's happening Gosh. now. Uh, and it was, I mean, all, all sorts of things happen, but um, it's just a snippet of time where you just see one thing in a lot of detail. Uh, and it doesn't always make sense. You don't know what's going to happen either side of it, but it's just that bit. And I think it's that moment that something happens and for some reason you know about it back when, uh, I, I would love a, a physicist to come on board and explain my, but I, um, I do believe that you have free will and that you can make your mind up. And, um, but at the same time, I was always going there. Well, does that, because it had already happened. You know, <laughs> I often wonder if I, I agree, we live in a universe of free will, but a fate and free will, the same thing. And, and yeah. has everything that's going to happen already occurred in some time in time mm. space? Um, in some senses, it will already have happened, but only once you get there. <laughs> so, yes, have we already made these decisions? So, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> well, this, this probably segues us on beautifully onto your 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 future lives. <laughs> yes, um, some of that was experimental because I um, I because I'd used hypnosis. Um, I used hypnosis again to try. Um, I was starting, well, it started off uh, that um, I have always had premonitions anyway. Uh, sometimes quite a few close together. Sometimes I'll only see a few days ahead. Sometimes it'll be a few weeks. Sometimes in that one I've just told you about it, it was years, decades ahead. 
Um, but I was sitting in the car on the way back from a friend's and my husband was driving. Uh, I know what was playing. He, I know what tape he'd put Michael Mechanics on uh, the CD. <laughs> tape. We had tapes then. And, um, and I glanced out of the window. We got this flickering tree thing again. It was uh, in the afternoon. And I looked back at him and I listened to the music and I looked at my lap and I suddenly realised that wasn't my lap. Um, I could see um, dark skin and a child's legs. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. I said, turned around to my husband and said, something a little odd is happening. I'll tell you about <laughs> it in a minute. Uh, so I was fully awake. Uh, and I envisaged myself as um, a, a young Asian child. Uh, and I felt roughly I knew which, which country. Uh, uh, and I thought, well, this, this is, this is, and I made notes. So I thought, well, this is, this is interesting. We'll follow this up. And then I used hypnosis to follow it up. Now, the rider here is hypnosis isn't totally reliable. Uh, some bits that come up are useful, some bits are not. Now, interestingly, from the looking at the future, because this was a long time ago, this was before the, even the internet, uh, some of the things I saw with the ex uh, progression experiment, looking at to the future, were things I'd already seen, things I already knew about. Um, but I'll give you just three things that I thought were going to happen slightly more distant future that happened rather faster. One of them was advertising boards. I could see advertising boards where it had a video and so it's moving pictures. Yeah. Um, that happened about, I think it was about eight to ten years later after the experiment. Um, the next thing I saw was uh, shopping centres where the shops had huge cinema size screens with adverts on. That's probably been only in the last 10 years. I don't know if you've seen, they're yes. mostly in the last 10 years. The other thing I saw was from one point onwards, a lot of people working from home on the computer. It was definitely computer screens. Now this was before the internet, before anybody had even understood the potential of computers, but it was definitely from one point on. And of course, from last year on, We've had a lot of people working on computers, so I think my time frame might not have been quite right. But I, I think that's where you get the um, some of the, the hypnosis. It's not the, where you get the inaccuracies, mm -hmm. but there are also these vivid accuracies. Um, the strange thing I'll tell you about. Um, oh, now we're year. getting a bit strange, are we? <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, now we're getting a bit strange. Yeah. Um, I was work a couple of years ago. I started working on a, um, a new manuscript I, th I thought I, I was interested in. And the first chapter, a lot of it, what it was dealing with was the risk of a pandemic. And at the same time, I was having dreams over and over about um, people over 80 and nursing homes and lots of people uh, in the older generation dying, uh, especially people in sort of crowded communities. And I thought, it's because I was working in nursing homes and I thought it's probably I'm finding the stress of working in nursing homes too much. I think I ought to start cutting down on work and thinking about retirement. So I misinterpreted mm. what I was seeing. And that happens so often. Um, one year when I was um, quite young, I suppose, um, I guess 20s, um, we went to my mother's for Christmas and everybody was talking and I tend to I don't I talk a lot now but I tended to be quite quiet and I was sort of standing there and watching people as they were talking and uh, I started to see people how the way they would look as they were older and I looked at my mother and she seemed to put a bit of weight on she was quite thin at the time and she put a bit of weight on her hair didn't go white but um, I could see her getting getting older I thought that's interesting so I looked at my younger brother and I saw him getting a little white at the temples and uh, he put a lot of weight on as well. I thought, oh, okay. I wonder if I could look at myself. No, let's look at my other brother. And I looked at my older brother and I thought, my goodness, he's not going to age. Lucky chap. Well, of course, he died in his early 30s. And again, I misinterpreted what I was seeing. So you can see things, you can see the future, but it's the interpretation isn't always right. Yes. So um, although I had... With the experiment, I looked at a lot of things in the future. Uh, 
some of it will some of it though the, but some of it will um from the hypnosis will be perhaps slightly out um often when you see things just see things they are they are spot on absolutely spot on but again i mean the hypnosis i have ambivalent sometimes i i think oh no it really doesn't work it's 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 not the best vehicle then i look at how many things came up that were right and i think yes but it can work um so it's is a is a is a difficult one to look mm. at the hypnosis uh, sort of generally so yes quite a lot of the stuff i i saw will um the time frame might not be spot on um some of it will be perhaps when you get to things like names uh, i'm useless as names anyway what what did i think did i think i was going to be better than names under hypnosis <laughs> it's, it's unlikely um but then again under hypnosis when i was looking at the little life between Mary Sutton and now the, the six-year-old child yes. who was run over. I managed to get, uh, I had not remembered as far as I was aware, I hadn't remembered the name from childhood. I just remembered odd events. And it's when I started piecing them together, I realized, oh, that's from that life. Um, but under hypnosis, I got uh, Charles S. And I got much more accurate time frame than I had before. Uh, I was able to look up uh, deaths for any child, six, or I put a bit of a year either side just in case. And there was only one in the whole country with a Charles S who died in those years at the right age. And we looked at lots and there were quite a lot of overlap just in case there's inaccuracy there. And um, it, it was this uh, being run over by a truck. And then all my memories came back. I thought, oh, no, that's that, that legs crushed thing. That's that's what it was about. It, that's why I was having you know, horrible dreams about uh, a truck chasing me onto the pavement um, when I was going to school. And um, then I, I, I started to look at the, I got the death certificate and um, I looked at the road layout and um the road, I looked at the road laid out, layout on the birth certificates first, and I thought, no, it's different. And it's years before I had the courage to go and look at the road layout for the address on the death certificate. And I thought, oh, it's exactly the same. It's Gosh. right. So, again, hypnosis did help with that one. Mm. But uh, <laughs> it's not 100% 100, 100 accuracy. No, it isn't. No. Very close. Um, I, I just have, yeah. yeah, sorry. I think if you've got the memories already and you've got the ability already, then perhaps 60%. I don't know what it's like if you don't have anything there to start with. Yes. So, but it's useful. It has its purpose. Yeah. I'm interested, and I do want to go back onto the, 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 yeah, yeah. the future live memories. This is so exciting. But what does it feel like going to the actual geographical location of your past life memories? It, you, you can actually see it. Um, if you look at film footage of any child who has past life memory and they've filmed the first time that they go back to the location, there is a moment of just overwhelming emotion and it's um, shock emotion very often. So when you first go back and you look at it, the first, I'll tell you what goes through your head and you can see, I've, I've watched quite a number of these uh, documentaries and the children doing it and I know what's going it, It's um, you suddenly realise that although that memory was always there and the, the uh, images were always there, you haven't let go and you're still, your memory is still stuck in that lifetime at that time. So that what hits you is, it's not now. I can't go back. Right. This, yes, this is the place. I can't go back. I'm not that person now. So it, the first thing that hits you is actually a shock mm. that it was a different time. But I've done that a few times now because I went to um, Japan and saw the place. Um, that was odd because um, it was um, I, I wasn't left alone long enough to actually uh, get the thoughts together. So being left but, alone is oh yes no I need I really needed that but um, I managed to do it anyway retrospectively um but 
I suppose the, the going to the cottage in Ireland was one of the biggest shocks because it was a ruin and I was standing there and I thought, I cannot have my children back. This is the life of Mary Sutton. Yes, they've grown up. This is it, time's gone by. And um, it, 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 it's the feeling you get used to. It happens a couple of times with different lives. But the first time, it is quite a shock because you realise you've held that memory of that time um, as though it hadn't passed, as though you're still there. Mm -hmm. But time has passed and you can't, you, know, you have to let go. And I think a lot of that, it's a lot of the um, impetus in past life memory is learning to let go. And in some way, is it a, re a relief? Oh, um, yes, you get that as well. But um, the initial thing is just that, uh, oh, yes, yes, because, uh, you, you know, it is here, it is real, I'm not bonkers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'd love to move on to that you mentioned that in the future that the Asian girl, and I believe her name's Nadia. Yes. Um, 2040, I think, around. Yes, I found, I found the spelling. Um, and uh, it's uh, the um, spelling, the net that they use in Nepal, it's very slightly different. There's another, uh, it's Nadia. Oh, uh, I'm, so, I'm a, pronouncing it correctly, sorry. <laughs> Nadia. No, that's right, because we always think of Nadia, but it's this, uh, but uh, I'd, I'd, written, I'd always heard it as that. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was quite interesting because I didn't know how much would be right, but it turned out that um, I got the soil type right for the area. Uh, so there are all sorts of things that, that started to kind of make sense. Um, I had I have difficulty when I'm looking at things to get the heights right. Uh, I'm not very good on um, getting uh, the topography quite right. But yeah, that that and, and I'm still think I'm going there. Uh, yeah, I do think I got quite a lot of that that right. That was that was interesting. I wish I'd seen more, but you, you only see what you see. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is a year 2040. Yeah, so in, in that sort of era, that sort of time, yes. And you... you I'm, I'm, often, I'm often a year or two out, so... <laughs> oh, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hold you against it. Um, you've, you've, you've drawn very detailed maps of this life hmm. and gone into detail in, in, in your book. I was actually thinking about your children, for example, that they could... Would they ever think about going to visit you? We've had that discussion. Nadia. We've had that discussion. What did they say? Um, yeah, I think it's quite possible. The only thing is, um, would I remember? And I'm not sure. Because um, I think when it comes to remembering past lives, I think most children remember some bits and then they forget as you come into understanding more about this life and the now, you tend to forget because that's what you're supposed to do. I think remembering the um, what a lot of the researchers say is that it's because the past life ended early, young, and with unfinished business, uh, which tends to be fairly uh, consistent. But I want to add something else. I think you need the right hardware. So I inherited a lot of the psychic abilities from my mother's side of the family, but the intense memory from my father's side. And I think you have to have the kind of brain that will hang on to the memories and to hang on to the details. Um, I obsess. Well, that's actually quite useful if you go over and over something. Uh, it keeps it fresh. Yes. So I do think that the software, if you think of the software as the soul that leaves one body, enters another, the hardware is the DNA, the way you're wired. If you get the right software fitting into the right hardware, then you will remember past lives. If you get different hardware, it's not going to work. And I don't think I remember next time, which is kind of sad. As Nadia. Yeah. You also talk about she's a very spiritual person, and I loved in the book that you even though she has the same soul, she really had very little, so quite poor, but you never thought as your, of yourself as lacking in anything. No, um, but that's how you should be, isn't it? Yes. You, you, you should be 
um, content with who you are and um, the, the sort of life you have. Uh, yeah, I think that's the right way to go about things. Because uh, if you look at lots of different lives, you look at lives, for instance, where people are affluent, are they necessarily happier? It's, it's not the route to, for happiness. Self-contentment is the route for happiness. So yes, why not? Yes. And you've seen a couple of lives of yours in the 23rd century, which I just love to... Yeah, that I think um, began because that was wholly hypnosis. So mm -hmm. I'm less certain, except that the things I saw were the same things that I've been seeing in um, precognitive experiences all my life. Mm -hmm. So I was only, so even though um, I'm uncertain about the personalities, I'm fairly certain about the information. So I've always seen fewer people. Um, I've always seen um, changes in technology. Uh, but I mean, some of it's fairly obvious. Oh, there's a, there's a strange thing. Um, another strange thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, I was, um, when I was at school, um, our geography teacher went to Norway and she was looking at the glaciers and she took photographs of the glaciers and she said, those pegs, that's where the glaciers have melted each year since the Industrial Revolution. And I thought, but that's wrong. That means that the earth is warming up. Since the Industrial Revolution, when we were burning coal, the earth is warming up. Um, I thought, well, that makes sense because I've seen lots of flooding in the future. I've seen problems with weather changes in the future. But being just a, a, a school child, nobody would listen to me when I was talking in the 1960s about global warming. Nobody would listen. I thought, but this is going to happen. This is, we've got to look at this. This is, this is what's, what's, what the future holds. Um, and I've probably lost my track there slightly. No, 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 you're doing really well. We're just talking about the future. It's not so much the personalities, but what you That's see it. in the, the external landscape. Was, was very much, yeah, the stuff I was seeing was very much the same as the stuff I had always seen anyway. You, you saw a great reduction in the human population. When I was um, at college, uh, I looked into why that might happen, because again, as I said, it's not just from the hypnosis session I saw that, it's something I've always seen. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to find out why that might happen. And um, I found in the medical library some very useful uh, information on male fertility and discovered that, that uh, male fertility has been dropping for the last, um, probably the last hundred years. It's been steadily dropping. And I spent quite a few decades, long before I started researching my past lives, looking at um, the reasons for this loss in reduction in population and possibly linked to um, uh, infertility. And uh, the, a lot of it seemed to be based on uh, chemicals, PCBs especially, um, but the chemicals produced by industry, plastics, yes. your water arrives in your house in plastic. Plastic has um, um, chemicals that mimic female hormones, which isn't too bad for women, but isn't really good news for, for the, 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 the men. Um, so that's one way that the population could reduce. And already now the level of um, infertility where couples can't produce children has gone up quite quite considerably. It's always been a thing, but now it has gone up quite considerably. But I don't think that's the only reason that the population would drop. If there's um, any sense, when you look at global warming, if it's created, the problems are created by us. So if there were fewer of us, there would be fewer emissions and we could, get it into reverse and get control of it so one hopes that some of it is a conscious effort to reduce population because that's the only way in the long term to solve global warming so we've got the things you see the things you sense the things you know are going to happen in the future and then trying to work out how and why and looking at the science <laughs> 
Yes, it, it was interesting. I mean, when you wrote the one of the books, um, you talk about computers and, and people will be working from home, but it was interesting that you talk about the, the computers wouldn't be centralised worldwide. They were, it would be in smaller networks. Um, yes, I don't know why, whether that was just my own concerns about the internet or that to um, control uh, attacks, you need to uh, have um, doors, as it were, yes. to shut off sections. For security. Um, yeah, security, basically. So it might have just been my way of understanding how security would work, that, which is incredibly necessary. Yes. And, and sorry, I'm just backtracking here. This is very exciting, but the, you know, the infertility, but the, the, the population that you see in the 23rd century is 5% mm -hmm. of what what's on the world approximately five percent of eventually eventually yes, eventually i mean with this we're talking long term yes eventually and uh you don't talk about any wars or events that you've seen um i'd seen odd things that i couldn't the problem um there are different people who see stuff for the future there are different types of people some people do see major events um the uh twin towers there were people painting that event a couple of years before it happened there were people who were aware um and may not have realized what it was mm -hmm. several years before it happened um i don't tend to see major events i tend to see things from a personal standpoint so in any of my past lives in any of the stuff i'm looking at in the future if I'm not in the place where there's a problem, I won't know about it, unfortunately. So I'm not a, a great, um, I'm not very useful. You are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did see uh, odd sort of hiccups. I saw um, personal difficulties at different times, odd struggles, uh, mostly towards the end of this century. There, were, there, there did seem to be a few problems, but whether that's related to weather um, changes or political changes, um, very difficult to say. Mm. And mm. you've also seen your own death in this life. Yes, kind of. Uh, well, yes. Uh, uh, I've seen myself looking back at different points in my life and I can't get beyond a certain point. Uh, that was another reason for me to choose when I was retiring. I thought, well, gosh, I've only got, I'm not telling you, that many years. I think if I retire now, I'll have that many years to enjoy. If I leave it too long, I'll only have, a, I won't have quite so many. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd see myself a number of times uh, at a certain age and not beyond that age. So um, rather than the actual death, just a point where it doesn't go any further. Is that a blessing or a curse? Um, it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't bother me a lot. It's just that uh, it's like, I suppose it's like retirement. You get to a point where you know <laughs> everything's going to change. <laughs> I have to, well, I think I know the answer. I have to ask the question, are you afraid of death and dying? No, not, it's not actually, no. Um, pain, yes. Um, but then you, the pain stops at a point, uh, at a certain point during death anyway, if, if there is pain. Uh, I mean, I remember one day that I was run over. I had no memory of the pain. I think it was shock, but actually no, I was quite thankful for that, but there was no memory of pain. Um, but it, it, the, the difficulty is having to, you, you know you have to let go of now. You have to let go of the people trust that they'll be fine and just move on um, although that you can still kind of hang around a bit there's um uh last summer uh i kept having dreams uh the same dream over and over and there was a person there a group of people in this dream and then one of them big grin come and say something to me and I didn't know why it just kept going on and on and on. And eventually I figured out, I listened to what the person was saying. I, I know who that is. How strange. So I looked up on the internet and they died three years earlier. Gosh. Once I looked it up, and the day I looked up, 
their birthday. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't realised. Uh, and then I thought, well, that, that's that's odd. Why three years? Oh, well, never mind. And then I kept getting insistent. I had to go and look at the house. Well, I live um, about 40 miles away, so it was an 80-mile round trip. And I thought, I can't be bothered to go back to where I used to live. But it kept on. I've got to go and look. Uh, OK, I'll, I'll look at the house. Uh, perhaps I'll go in this week. No, go now. So I had to go the next day and drive 40 miles. And I thought, well, I'll look at my old house as well and have a look about and I turned the road into where this house was. And the house, I, I knew, it had been sold three years earlier. Um, but I, I looked down, I thought, that, there's a house down there that's all clad in um, building uh, 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 scaffolding and stuff. And I thought, oh, no, it's his house. And I, I went down there and the whole thing had been gutted. And I kept hearing, look, look, look at, the, look at my house. Look what they're doing. And I said, yeah, I know, but we can't do anything. Mm not your house anymore so you can get this um people hanging around for a little while like an earthbound um, spirit well, not that i don't again if you have the two levels of the universe right. um they don't have to be earthbound because you're connected mm -hmm. the it's right here level is right here anyway yes um so it's connected anyway so it's, I assume what happened was none of his family would listen and he realised I would. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, that sort of thing can happen. So you, 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 can, you can watch for a while and check and make sure everybody's all right. But, uh, and what do you think, once we leave our physical body, what, what do you think before we're reincarnated or return to another human form? What, what do I remember? In the in do you remember in what happens in oh, the yeah, between state? I do. Um, and I, uh, the first time I talked about it, we, I went to a conference in Norway, uh, 93, 1993, and it's the first proper talk I'd given. And I was really quite nervous about lecturing, but at the same time, I thought it was important to do so, to share the ideas. And somebody in the audience asked, what do you remember of between lines? And I'd never really told anybody uh, so I started to talk about it. And um, in the audience was Daniel Brinkley, who had had near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And he came over and said, yeah, it's exactly the same. And he told me about his near-death experiences. And it was quite a relief. I thought, I was really sort of on the edge there, just yeah. felt very exposed, just saying, well, look, I remember this and I remember that. Um, I hadn't read about near-death experiences. Uh, it wasn't, this was a while ago, it wasn't as well documented. But what I remember was pretty much the same. Uh, I remember the hospital, well, I'll do Mary. I remember the hospital room as Mary. And I remember looking down, suddenly I was, you know, it's not, you don't, not drifty, drifty, it's bang, you're out. Not like out of the movies. No, no, not <laughs> And slightly off centre and really quite high. And I saw somebody come in, turned out it was a priest. Um, and the nurse came in, nurse went out, nurse brought a priest in. Um, and he knelt. And, I, and then the next thing, I was folding up into a very small ball of energy and was sucked backwards because I was still looking, I was, my attention was still there. So I was sort of sucked backwards um, through a vortex, a tunnel, uh, a, um, uh, uh, it was, yeah, sorry, um, some sort of, sort of tunnel anyway. So I was looking for another word, a uh, scientific term, but anyway. Um, and then I don't remember much about the arrival because it wasn't a near-death experience. It's my memory of a past life. Mm -hmm. And I let go a lot of the memory at that point. But I remember the bulk of the time. And there were lots and lots of these energies that used to be people. Uh, bright, bright light. And the energies were bright. And I don't know whether the light was from the energies. And uh, it was fairly timeless uh, the things weren't sort of drifting about. Uh, the, 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 there's like a, almost like a lattice work that everything was stable. And there was a sense of being connected to every other thing. The only thing I could liken it to was that experience I had that was labelled a mystic experience, mm -hmm. where I felt that I was part of every other living thing and everything was all right. It didn't matter. It was very, very similar to that. It was like being a baby hugged by your mother, but you had that feeling with every single other 
energy there. Very, very strong. And just quite peaceful. And then eventually a sort of sense of um, needing. And then the into the next life. And they're, they're all slightly different. The wormhole, that's the one I was looking for, the scientific term. So it was like a wormhole. And my two-tier uh, system of the uh, universe is... Uh, it, it could be that it was some kind of like a wormhole. Uh, the one drowning in Japan in the uh, late 1800s, it was as though the water was turning. There was actually a turning. Now, I didn't re realise any sense of turning um, with the other, other death memories. But in this one, because it was underwater, it felt that the water was part of this vortex. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that one I went forwards. I could see forwards where I was going and I could see light. And sometimes you can get light flashing either side in colours. But so very, very similar. And the, this sense of timelessness. So uh, it's almost as though the other side of our universe has slightly different physics to, well, slightly considerably. <laughs> <laughs> not not non-physical. So I see it as a balancing side, and I wonder sometimes, will this talk about, well, go back to physics, uh, whether I'm uh, right or not, they're looking for dark matter. There's, uh, recently I read a scientific paper where they think that dark matter may be connected uh, via um, subatomic particles to an area that we can't see and I thought but this is what I've been saying, yeah. <laughs> that we are connected at a very minimal, perhaps a, a, through a single dimension to the other half of the universe. And I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Some of the mathematicians are coming up with similar ideas. Good, that's what we need. It's just, it's just remarkable and fascinating, <laughs> your experiences. So you definitely chose to come back to... I, don't, I think it's instinctive because people... Uh, I mean, I, there are some of the cases of past life memories with children they said well I chose these mm -hmm. particular friends but I felt you choose in the same way that you choose who you're going to fall in love with you don't look around a room and say I think I'll fall in love with them it just happens um, yeah it's instinct that you're drawn yeah what so I have to ask the question what maybe there is no answer for it but why are we here what is the purpose of of it all I think that we're, the reason we are, are, are here and the reason for reincarnation is that's how life works. Mm -hmm. And life wants to, and it wants to exist. Uh, evolution wants life to become more complicated, to think for itself and to develop. And I think that the energy part of us, the soul part of us goes hand in hand with that. There's this need to know, to understand, to develop, to be more, to, to feel more, to, to find answers. So no different to the reason that we all have, we all feel that we're here anyway. Yes, well, I guess all life, the commonality is that everything grows. Yes, it does. And, and it develops. Evolves. I was fascinated that um, life started out obviously as a single cell. Um, but evolution, they've now decided, I followed, there was um, the epigenetics thing I've, I've, I've followed as it was developing. It was attacked by a virus. And um, a lot of these, these single cells would have been damaged by the virus, a retrovirus, and then eventually the information joins in and you end up with a more complex organism. Then the same thing happens again. They've discovered that we're mostly virus or we may be entirely virus every time something attacks. So life actually making efforts to become more complicated, attacking to become more complicated, to become more, to become sentient, to uh, develop. So, <laughs> yes, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful way to look at it. Uh, many, many people are so interested of obviously in life, but well, they're a part of it, but also exploring their past lives. Many people are, just briefly, many people are fascinated with particular events like battles or 
uh, boats or certain geographical yes. locations. Why do you think that is? If they're yeah. not, I wouldn't use the word obsessed, but completely engrossed. Yeah, you can. There's, um, I came across somebody some years ago who was telling me her son wrote books about a particular battle and a particular part of the um, Second World War. He was invited to go and have a look at some of the underground tunnels in one area uh, that he'd written about because he'd written in such detail. They, they, they were in France, they were impressed. And he led people through the tunnels. He admitted to his mother, he wouldn't admit to anybody else. He remembered being there. That's why he was so obsessed in writing about it. That's why he'd spent decades researching the history and finding out more because he'd remember being there, but he didn't dare admit that that's, that's what it was. So yeah, I think people do have these fascinations and it's a personal history that they're actually fascinated by. Wonderful. Wonder we've, we've covered so many topics. Is there some, I've asked all the questions. Is there something you'd like to discuss with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? I don't know. I think, I think I've tried very hard to squeeze in all the little bits. We've squeezed in a lot of information. <laughs> I usually have a few ideas that I want to just kind of tuck in there and I managed to, uh, to, to get them in anyway. Okay, well, Jenny Cockle, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Really, um, you're such an inspiration and I'm so honoured and grateful that we made the time to connect for the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> Bye, Jenny. Bye, thanks. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate. <laughs>